Welcome to the PT Graduate Podcast. I'm Rich Ellis, and I interview people from the health and fitness industry to find out more about their role, get some inspiration, motivation, and also have an understanding of how to get into this industry, but not only get in, but stay in and flourish in this amazing industry. Let's get on with the show. Okay, here we go. Rich here from PT Graduate again. Great to uh, bring you another interview today with Mr. Alex Flint from, as you can see, Body Talk. Uh, thanks for being here, Alex. Great to see you. Pleasure. Great to great to be on with you, Richard. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So, um, Alex, I know we've only met once, so I don't know you very, very well, but um, you were definitely on the the, the must-haves list to uh, to catch up for lots of reasons. Um, and obviously, as I said, you you're working at Body Talk, is which is your business, right? Yep. And that's in Newmarket. Yeah, Newmarket yep. in Auckland. Yep. yep. Cool. And um, and so, how long's Body Talk been going? Body Talk as a concept is about six and a half years old now. Um, the gym, um, as a physical gym, is uh, just coming into its sixth year shortly, actually. So about right. five, five and a bit years in um, to actually having a physical premises. So it was more so a concept to start with. And yeah. we had training going on all over the place. And then, uh, right. you know, sort of grew from a very, very small box into a, into a bigger gym as nice. we went along. So, yeah, 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 yeah. about five Fantastic. or six years. Cool. Excellent. And Newmarket's quite a competitive space <clears throat> in terms of um, the number of gyms and options there are for people out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, there's a Les Mills there and there's a, there's a number of other um, boutique type places, big, small and all sorts of options. I guess choice is important. But what is it that you do a body talk that sort of sets you apart or, or what is it that brings your clientele through your door? Yeah, it's... Um... It's a very interesting and, and I think it's a really um, important point to acknowledge in any area of the fitness industry, you know, like it is a crowded space now and there's there's more and more people getting into the industry all the time. You know, with the digital world the way it is, you know, we get more and more exposure to such a huge range of, of training types and peoples and, and, and gyms, etc. So what, what I did early on was um, be really, really aware of who our target market was and then basically put together our method, which doesn't really mean that we have any um, clear competitors because we we have our own space. We own our own space, which yeah. is which is you know specific, specifically for our target market. Mm. So I guess the thing that sets us aside is um, we're number one. We're a group training facility that doesn't necessarily set us aside because there's plenty of those. Yeah. But we actively help um, people over the age of forty. Right get back in really good shape and then maintain that shape for the rest of their lives. So right. we have everyone from, you know, ex-professional sports people all the way through to mums and dads, retirees um, that, you know, want to get themselves back into health and fitness and, uh, you know, yeah. from any starting point. And then our, our real big job is to try and make that something which is fun, inviting, and then they want to keep it as a lifestyle long term. Brilliant. Brilliant. And you kind of answered my next question because I was going to say, so what is that market? <laughs> so that's yeah. good. You've given me that already. I guess those are the people who, if they haven't necessarily been in a, a regime of exercising, they've probably spent the years from 30 to 40 realizing that their body's slowing down, that it's not going to stay the same shape as it was when they were in their 20s. And they make that decision to go, okay, I need to do something different. And that's obviously the, the 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 decision that they're going to to make some change, and you're you're the people, or your environment is obviously one that's set up to help them um, start that journey, I suppose. Um, 
you 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 use a reasonable amount of uh, science and measurements as well, and we'll we'll get onto match fit, but um, you 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 make sure that there's there's some really good understanding in terms of their metabolic age and um, you know where their body's actually at before they start, don't you? So that there's some really good measurements along the way, and they can see the progress not just visually, but um, sort of on the you know the the numbers as well. Yeah, I think it's really important just because I guess one of the things that um, I experienced myself as I got older, because I've always been very enthusiastic about sport and mm. exercise and training, and I'm always sort of ex experimenting on myself, I guess. Um, earlier on, it was hard for me to, I guess, empathize with, you know, people that were potentially older than me and what they were going through, you know, the messages and the things that they were telling me mm. kind of didn't match up with what I was experiencing myself. So it was something which I guess probably is a, is a normal thing that happens in the fitness industry as you age your, your theories and, and your mindset changes a little bit as well. So yeah, what I really noticed is that, you know, what was once a pretty easy thing to, to figure out, you know, is we had fairly responsive bodies and more so we didn't have a lot of stress outside of, you know, our, our gym life going on. So there wasn't all these exterior um uh impacts that were really having a, a major um i guess putting a lot of pressure on our bodies yeah. in all sorts of ways so this you know this stress um if you want to call it that as, a, as an overarching theme is really mm. different as we get older so that's everything from kids to potentially you know career to our health potentially hasn't been where it should be mm. for a while you mm. know a lot of a lot of people that will come to see us are people that they might not have done anything for five, 10 years because they're in that period of time where family and careers become number one, yeah. you know, and once upon a time they may have had a, a fit body or, you know, they might've been in a really good space and now they're at a stage where they want to get that back. They've got time, income, those types of things, but uh, it's just not the same as it used mm. to be. You know, you can't just launch yourself in like you could when you were 25, 30 mm. and expect the same resilience in your body to be able to just train hard from day one. Yeah. So that's how we've put together what we've put together. And we've been uh, very clear on almost like boundaries. So we don't let people jump ahead of their health in uh -huh. terms of trying to get a result. So the yep. health comes first. And then we yep. have a whole lot of parameters and markers, which mean that we kind of almost hold people back. So it's almost like we're a bit of a, I like to think we're a bit of a disruptor to the industry in terms yep. of what we're doing is, is going against the grain. So we're mm. not your six or your 12 or your, um, whatever you'd like to call it, challenge straight yeah. up. You know, come in with nothing and get straight into these challenges. Mm. We expect people to take a long period of time and get their health sorted, sorted first. So mm. number one, it's enjoyable. And two, it's sustainable. And, you know, that's yeah. for both the fact that we want people to have a, a result that lasts forever. Um, and unless they get their health first, when uh, their health sort of first when they're older, that's not going to happen. But also, it's you know, fr from our point of view, it's good as well because it means that we've got long term clients mm. who um, are going to stick around because they really see the benefits mm. and um, they're not in a hurry to get the results. They understand that, yes, while they might be, you know, wanting a result tomorrow, do they want to keep that result forever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it. There's that age old saying, isn't it? You don't lose weight to be healthy. You have to be healthy to lose weight. Yeah, and I think that that sounds like your ethos. You know, it's helping people understand how the body works, put it into that state of health first, and then it will respond to all of the inputs that they uh, they get from from turning up and, and and doing the gym work as well. Yeah, really. Uh, I mean, sense. we like to say that it's uh, it's a case of the the byproduct 
of of you know leading these good habits is mm. is a great body and great health you know mm. so rather than mm. focusing on weight loss or muscle gain or fitness you know yep. those things come from from leading the right lifestyle which starts with your health first so yeah yeah, yeah. So our parameters that we use are quite wide mm. ranging but we use we use a couple of different scans we use a lot of um vo2 max testing yeah we've got um a metabolic cart so we can put people on breathing devices see uh-huh. what the metabolism's like yep. to start with yeah and uh, all that together just gives a great base of information so we can really look at uh, where someone's starting point is. And then I found myself, like I, I've always been someone, I've struggled with the fitness industry a little bit in that we don't have the same access to black and white results as, say, a doctor. You know, you go to a doctor, get a blood test, and mm. here's where you are, like mm. these are blood test results. Whereas mm. in the fitness industry, it's just, I mean, we're not medical professionals, but yep. also... It's just difficult for us to have the same level of, um, I guess, intricate diagnosis. So I've done the best I can with what's available in the fitness industry to give people, sure. you know, a clear guideline to where they're starting it. And then we yeah. can work towards improving it, which is great for motivation as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's brilliant. So some interesting measurement tools there. So um, you talked about um, some of the people that you work with. And, and one of the things you mentioned was ex-professional uh, sports people. Uh, which ties in nicely with my next question, which is obviously about match fit, which people uh, listening to this may have may recognize you from TV3's uh, program that took all of the, um, well, a bunch of old, 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 old blacks who are in their sort of 40s and 50s and beyond and, um, and got them into a better shape and also sort of ready to, uh, to play a, a proper game as well, which was really, I enjoyed watching that season, that, that series. It was, uh, it was great to uh, to see them and, and listen to their stories as well because they all had something different to bring, you know, from a mental health point of view or, you know, some of the challenges that life after rugby has brought. If that's something that you, you know, those are the people that you specialise in, was it a natural um, conclusion that um, that they came to you, the, the, the people that made the show came to you and sort of thought, you're the perfect man for the job? Is that how it worked or how did they find you? Yeah, I, that definitely had something to do with it. Like, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, once you, I think early on in the fitness industry, it's hard to have a real specialism because when you get in, you know, you've just got to get started, get your mm. wheels turning, and really mm. you've got to focus on great customer service, you know, being personable, having a great um, level of education and knowledge, and then wanting to help people. And then slowly as, you know, you put your, um, your roots down, you can start to, perhaps specialize a little bit more. Um, mm. That's just my personal belief. Yeah, yeah. But um, once you're in a position where you can do that, where you, where you really can start to specialize, because, you know, if you're, if you're doing this a full-time career, you've got the, the finance behind you to, to support yourself and then you can go down the track where you want to go to. Um, I think it's, it's really important that you try and become, you sort of own that space as much as you can. So mm. what you try and do is you become almost like a thought leader Mm. or the you know the person of influence that's in that space right so you know i, I very much pip, pitch myself as i try and put myself out there as someone that's you know over 40 and you know mm. trying to lead the lifestyle and stay that myself and then all of the information that i give out is directly talking to that target market sure. so yeah sure. that it definitely had a big reason on on why yeah they they chose body talk as well because our, our yep. gym is full of uh, success stories of people in that age and and prior to that as well, I, the producers and of the show knew I had a background in, in sports training with UFC yeah. and rugby players and stuff like that. So I'd sort yeah. of, I guess I had that as well, which mm. probably just gave me a, a 
enough of a um, okay authority, I guess. Yeah, I guess that leads us nicely into me asking what I should have asked at the beginning. So, how what happened at the beginning? How did you get to the point where we started with body talk? How did you get into the industry? Um, it's 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 been a very long romance. <laughs> <laughs> So okay. I, um, my parents uh, had, I'm Australian originally. and Yeah, I gathered that, yeah. yeah Queen still there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> my parents had uh, regional New South Wales licences that used to work differently of Les Mills aerobics classes in country uh, Australia, country yeah. New South Wales. Right. So a long time ago, um, you sort of had almost like franchise rights to an area. So I grew up. Um, around aerobics classes in halls, in bowling clubs, in hmm. um, RSA clubs, all yeah. that sort of thing. And, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s, over 100 people in an aerobics class. So, wow. Yeah. And then so from there, um, my parents got into opening a gym and I was probably 10 or 11 at the time. Uh, by the time I was about 14, I had every single muscle and fitness magazine available because I was just mad into it. Yeah, yeah. And I and my parents, there was a few people that came to the gym that were into weight training. And um, there was one guy who was a young lawyer and uh, he saw that I was right into it because I used to be training all the time myself and asked me if I'd train him. And I didn't even know what personal training was back yeah. then. And I said, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so I wrote him out all his programs and put him through them and he loved yeah. it. And so yeah. it sort of was a succession from there. Mm. Um, and I did... Uh, PE um, and sports science at uni mm. always sort of worked in a gym on the side mm. and then I, I actually went to the UK and was working as a PE teacher in a school over there and coaching rugby mostly and then okay. once I moved to New Zealand that's when things really started to take off for me so I was lucky enough um, once I got over here I started writing education programs for the fitness industry for um they're now New Zealand Institute of Health and Fitness, but they were yep. the company originally was uh, NetFit and yep. um, NZI Chef bought okay. them out. Right. Um, so I used to write a few programs for them and be a lecturer. Mm. And then through that, just the, the way that New Zealand is, I started training fighters. And from that, I got into training um, UFC fighters. Okay. So I was, uh, that's kind of where everything really kicked off for me. So I, I, I was, um, he's now retired, Mark Hunt. So when mm. he was um, sort of top of the tree in the UFC, he got up to, I think he started, he was, so he was unranked and I was with him right the way through till he got to number three in the world. We got a world title shot, but wow. unfortunately missed that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what happened was basically during that time, I started to really see the power of group training because I was an Olympic weightlifter myself, always right. training groups, even though incredibly technical sport, mm. no mirrors, one coach, a whole ton of us working together, uh, really technical. And then the same with the UFC. So Mark was the only guy that was um, fighting, but we used to have a group of sometimes 15, 20 of us all training with him. You know, we'd pick people that were strong, some that were fit, some that were good fighters, and we'd put a camp together. And then, you know, some of us would go away for the fight, you know, camp down overseas somewhere for a month. And uh, what we saw is what I was noticing is everyone was in great shape, even though there was one guy going into the ring or, you know, when I was lifting, it was one person on the platform at a time, mm. but everyone mm. brought each other up together. Mm. So I had a, um, a good mate who was a uh, very good cricketer, uh, indoor cricketer and he was training a lot of um, cricket players Auckland and Black Caps and so forth and we got together and said how about we have a go at group training for ev everyday people 
using these same dynamics mm. of teamwork environment because you see it in everything else. And at that time, there, there was no group training. There was okay. aerobic classes. Yep. There was no group training. So uh, Matt Henderson and myself got together and just made a start. And that's how Body Talk was born. And, okay. um, yeah, and, and that's basically how we how it all got together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Great backstory. Awesome. That's probably one of the best I've heard. <laughs> Interesting pathway. Um, there's, so going back to, to match fit, what, um, I mean, obviously the stuff you see on TV is, is just a snapshot of probably what you were doing working days, but was that a serious commitment for you? If you had the gym and, and, and you then were doing the filming as well, were, did, how did you make it all work? Yeah, <laughs> I actually was training for the, um, I still compete in powerlifting as well. Okay. I was training for the nationals in powerlifting at the same time. Oh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> you like I, a full what, I couldn't wait for Christmas. I was like right on the edge of what yeah. was okay. physically possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had uh, the gym going very lucky. I've got very good staff, um, very, very good head coach right. and a number of supporting coaches. So they took up a lot of the slack for me. We had, you know, the, the gym is built on systems. So mm. nothing is day by day coaching. Everyone's on program systems right. that last a month at a time. Right. We have regular check-ins. So it works like clockwork. I mean, we're all, I wouldn't say clockwork. It's, you know, pretty good, but we're always looking yeah. to improve things. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, as much as I could, I, I stayed doing a fair bit of the the training where I could because I love to still have my feet on the floor in the sure. training room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the match fit, match fit commitment was pretty big. So mm. I was, um, that was probably somewhere from, I really, you know, the, the, a lot of the, the players actually jumped into the group training that we had. So there was probably 10, 15 hours of filming a week plus the yeah. training, but yeah, I was able to, a lot of that was done sort of during normal training time. So, yeah, uh, I mean, but to be fair, it was, it was an absolute honor. Like yep. I would have done twice as much, you know, to be, <laughs> to be able to train those guys. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't something that I felt was, was, was hard work. You know, no. it was one of those loved okay. it. So, yeah. 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 In your element. Yeah. And they looks like they got a lot out of it as well. I mean, obviously they, they, they shifted some weight and uh, you know, Graham Henry was sort of leading from the front and, obviously more senior than them but um there was it was it wasn't just about making a tv show was it it was it was pretty significant for some of those guys in terms of what what you know some mindsets changed perhaps yeah looks yeah, yeah it was uh to be honest nobody was ready including the tv production company um who you know i've got a lot of friends in there now just from spending time with them no one yeah. was ready for the impact that it was going to have ah. i think obviously it um the 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 enormity of of the widespread of people that got that message and, yeah. and you know felt like there was they could almost um, liken themselves somehow to these guys mm, mm. was huge right across New Zealand and it came right. at a good time too right you know like we we're yep. in and out of lockdown there was a yes. lot of bad stuff going on and yeah here's these great stories of these guys who you know that the, the the guys that were in the show just absolutely awesome fellas really mm. are. Mm. Um, and they, you know, they all had playing history together. So the banter was there straight away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on day one, uh, I, I actually didn't know, like they did it on purpose. You know, they held as much information back to, as possible about who was going to be there. And, okay. and, and that was so, you know, there was a true element of surprise. Sure. Okay. So I'm sitting in the room with all my equipment, you know, ready yep. to do my assessments. And yep. first person to walk in is Buck Shelford. <laughs> 
I'd never met him before in my right. life. Wow. And then second person to walk in was Graham Henry. And I was Bloody just hell. like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was kind of like the third oh, so you, you literally didn't know who would be walking through that door. You just knew you were some rugby players or? Yeah. And I knew yeah. that. I mean, I knew there was going to be, there was profile in everyone. I knew okay. they had big coaches and that's, but uh, okay. yeah. And so um, that was pretty special, to be yeah. honest. A little bit, a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah. And, uh, but they were genuinely just really, really good guys. And they mm. took me under their wing. And then, uh, yeah, as you saw in the show, I, I'd sort of just got on with it. I thought, well, I'm just going to be, you know, that was one yeah. of the things that I talked about with him on the show. It's, I'm not an actor. I don't know how good I'll be on TV. And they said, we just want you to be yourself. So Brilliant. I just got on with what I would normally do. And, um, after the first show, so when everyone had to bear all and get on the scanner for TV, mm. uh, in retrospect, I didn't really think about it, but you know, that was very confronting for a lot mm. of those guys. They were mm. top of the tree, you know, considered the the elite of the elite of, of New Zealand sport, and then to show where they were now, you know, is, is a pretty yeah. hard thing to do. And I, to be honest, I didn't really think about the TV side of it because usually mm. a one on one like that is something that you do. Yeah. yeah you know, in, under the safety of no one sees, but Graham mm. Henry was the first guy on the scales. And after um, after he did that and talking about it with others, they said that was probably just an innate thing he realised, you know. Ah. But if he did it first, everyone yeah. would and Just yeah. like you said, you know, leaders lead and that's, yes. that's what kicked on. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were in, wow. there was a lot of those guys in, in pretty grave shape to start with. Mm. There was one guy in particular who was really worried he was going to have a heart attack. Yes. Um, so he went through extra medicals and yep. had a fair few questions on that, you know, like people commenting and saying, you know, you shouldn't be pushing these guys so hard. And yeah. But again, you only see what you see on TV. Exactly. Nothing like what actually went yep. on. We were, yep. I was, I had them, I was so worried that I was going to injure one of them. So we started so slowly and gently. Yeah. As time went on. You brought that same ethos from body, body talk straight into the program without without changing anything you know you start slow build it gradually because yep. that's what they needed didn't they i mean they had that um was it a yo-yo that they started off with um, uh bronco no, bronco, bronco. Yeah. um and that was a real eye-opener because you could see who still had the wheels and who really was was struggling and um, yeah. as a as a you know being in the industry and kind of watching them going yeah i, I was worried that there may be a you know a couple of um ambulance calls because you know it was a real uh, a real eye-opener as to where they were at and even you know some of those guys had had only been playing more re you know in the last kind of world cup or previous world cup um and obviously some prior so well frank bunce when he put his <laughs> boots on yeah when he, for the first time we had to wear boots the sole fell out of it and he said last time <laughs> I put this one was 20 years ago oh bloody <laughs> <laughs> same boots oh my god <laughs> You didn't go and get a fresh pair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was good. It was good. It was good TV, and I think, um, as you say, it made made them helped you know wider New Zealand kind of relate. Um, and and as confronting as that shirt off initial screening may have been, again, it makes them even more relatable because you know your average Kiwi can probably go, oh my goodness, that's probably me in the mirror as well, and. Um, you know, if I just do a few things and follow some of the advice, then, you know, and get some support from somebody like yourself, that could make a difference between, you know, an early grave and, and a long, happy life, you know, with, with great grandkids or grandkids or whatever it may be. So yep. it was a pretty Thanks. powerful yeah, message. Yeah. I think, I mm. think the thing is that, you know, with the age group, um, sort of 40 plus forties and fifties, there's some pretty powerful reasons why you want to get yourself 
you know, through the next 20 odd years mm. of your life, you've worked mm. hard, you potentially finally have got a, you know, a future financially, mm. you've got kids and grandkids and it's, you know, it's, it's really great. Like it's something that's easy to tap into to get people a, you know, a strong sense of purpose mm. and vision as to mm. why. Mm. Um, the other thing as well is, and like, like you said, it sort of brought the ethos across is, I mean, I had no doubt that these guys are all athletes and I've worked with, you know, ex-athletes before mm. and you know what they're capable of. Mm. But it doesn't matter if we're talking about a non-athlete or not. The biggest thing is you just want your energy back and you just want confidence in yourself again, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what doing the, the, the style of start that we do gives, you know, like you start to feel better again. You start to have confidence in your body and then everything works on top of that and actually... You don't feel exhausted from all this super hard training to start with. You actually feel like it's giving you a, you know, you can come back to the gym every day and do a bit more and step by step, you're really getting into it. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's really powerful stuff. And uh, it must have been a really good experience for you. And I guess if uh, more of those things come along, you'd be, you'd put your hand up again to, to do something similar or the same, you know? Match yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Match fit yeah. Part two, maybe. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, you know, I'm, I'm careful about what I say yes to now. Um, right. it would absolutely, definitely, if it's in the say, if it's my target market, be more than happy to yeah. you know, jump in. Yeah. But if it's something that I don't consider myself a specialist in, I just, yeah. yeah, it's sometimes what you say no to is more important than what you say yes to. I absolutely agree. I think you're absolutely right there. And um it's it's important, like you said at the beginning, it is to stick to your knitting, you know, to be the thought leader for your niche. And the more you do that, the more it becomes, you know, ingrained and part of the way you do things. And so that's kind of your marketing message as well, isn't it? Because you're always on that same um, thread in terms of what you what you're talking about. And, you know, people may ask for your opinion on that sort of thing. And so, you know, you become even more well known in that space rather than trying to do, you know, too many things for too many people. Yeah. um yeah it's a, it's a, it's a smart business model as well so yeah i would say that one of the things that i've learned more so in the last few years than than uh you know just trying to figure things out early on is really talk to one person just talk to one person because you know with the ability to target market now mm. um you can scattergun and just be very very bland out there but if you talk to one person, solve their problems, you know, talk to their hot buttons, to their mm. points of pain mm. and you solve their problems. You know, mm. that's how you slowly become an expert to that person. So once you figure out who your, your avatar is that yeah. you want to work with, mm. then, uh, you know, speak specifically to them. And it doesn't mean you're not going to get people outside of that space because yeah. for example, we have, you know, the majority of our people, the average age of someone that comes to body talks 47. Yep. Um, They've got two kids, um, either business owner or, um, you know, reasonably well income. Yeah, yeah. But we also get uh, their kids. We also get their oh, relatives. Okay. We get their mates who yep. might not quite be, you know, exactly yep. the same avatar. Yep. So those people are still on the periphery anyway, because if you're mm. good at what you do, people will recommend, you know, but, yeah. but still you've just got to, I think it's a really important point that you have the courage just to talk to the person that you want to work with most, you know, who's your favorite person. Think of your favorite client. Yeah. What is it about them? What's their pain points? Yep. What are all the things that, um, you know, they need fixing and talk to, you know, help that person out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so that's beautifully put together. I think that's probably the best marketing advice that anyone listening to this can probably take. Um, that's fantastic. Um, 
so is there anything I haven't asked that um, was, is worth adding in there, Alex? Um, just in terms of what it's sort of advice for, for people watching. Yeah. 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 I think the thing is the, the biggest thing that I would say about um, I've lived obviously in three countries. Mm. Um, one of the biggest things that I've, I think is a little bit to the detriment and I have no idea why it's the case is having been New Zealand as my third country, it seems that trainers undervalue continuing education over here. Right. Um, now, that's a big sweeping statement, but compared <laughs> to what I've seen in the UK and yeah. uh, in Australia, there's yeah. a lot more hunger to continually develop, learn, okay. become better at your craft. And um, it's something that I think is, uh, it's been something that I've done my whole life is I've, I've never sat on my laurels and thought I know enough. Yeah. Um, I've obviously picked, you know, some course I've gone on probably, a, you know, it was a mistake, yep. but really when I look back now at where I'm at, it's because of everything that I've done along the way. And none of it was just trying, I guess, pinch stuff off what is mm. now social media, you know, mm. or YouTube. I've, I've always actively sought out professionals in their field, you know, had a look at who they are, if they're good at what they do and they've proven themselves, then I've gone and, you know, paid to, to learn from them. Yeah. I think I think that is super important, you know. Don't overwhelm yourself with too much because there's so much out there. But mm. you know, once you're clear on who you want to help out, then go and get some expert help from from people that are already in that space and are doing well because yeah. it is just so important. And uh, one of the biggest reasons for that I've found is it's not necessarily the knowledge that you're getting from them. Of course it is. Mm. But it's actually, I guess a lot more is online and digital now. But, you know, I'm... I, because of the way that um, you know we, we're locked down in terms of country to country now but if you can go and network with people like yourself you know that are they're motivated they're enthusiastic you know it's it's hard to to find other people like that when when you're the instructor or the leader in your space you know yeah, you're, the, you're the guy or the girl giving the energy and mm. it's sort of quite often can be quite lonely Yep. So if you have the opportunity to network with others, I tell you what, every time I come away, even now, you know, like I come mm. away from a course mm. and I've got a spring in my step again because just being around other people that are enthusiastic and, and share the same, you know, views on life and, mm. and it gives you a spring in your step. So, mm. yeah, continuing education, being clear on on who it is that, you know, you you want to help so that your, your education is relevant and then... Yep. Being yeah. aware that if you can get, you know, get around events where there's other people who are, are in that space, because it's, you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of room for all of us out there, and um, having a, a network of people that are, you know, motivated like yourself actually does great things for for your own motivation and and yeah 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 I absolutely couldn't agree more. That's a fantastic, nice summing up of everything there, beautifully. Thanks, Alex. Well, I think that's, um, I haven't actually been keeping track of time. So I'm assuming oh, no we're, we're, we're good, but <laughs> it feels like a natural conclusion. So uh, thanks so much for your time. There's some absolute pearls of wisdom there. Um, so I hope that people take some real um, time to consider what you said and to reflect on where they're at and whether that can help them in their, in their pursuit of, of following their career. So again, thanks for your time. I know you're a busy man. So appreciate it hugely and um, look forward to catching up with you another time maybe. Cheers, Richard. Lovely to talk. Thanks. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to PT Graduate this week. Look forward to you listening again next week. And please hit the five-star rating button if you enjoyed this episode and share with your friends and colleagues so they can enjoy further episodes. See you. Bye.